Rosé, Law360's weekly podcast. I'm your host, Amber McKinney, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Bill Donahue. Hello. Hello. And Alex Lawson. A little, little belabored over there. Are you okay? Moving, moving <laughs> in slow motion this morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of that going around. I'm uh, I'm flying tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I'm off I'm off work, and I'm flying to the beautiful city of Cincinnati. The Queen City? Is that yeah. right? Sure. Queen City? That's cool. I'm excited. Uh, it's for a wedding. Of yeah. course Rehearsal dinner's tomorrow night. And wedding season, baby. It is. And um, I'm excited tomorrow to try Skyline Chili. Yeah. Has anyone tried I this? I have not. It's um, I've had it out of a can, which is probably not its ideal consumption. Well, did you make like a like a, a pile of spaghetti to pour it over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I did like a homemade half smoke or whatever, they, or whatever it's which called. Which is like truly mind-boggling to me. As a man who's not from the Cincinnati area, it yeah. seems... Seems odd. I, go in, go in with an open mind. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Apparently, you can get like layers of stuff rather than like things being mixed into the chili. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. It's a. It, it gets a. It sort of famously gets beat up on the internet and other places like it's bad, like sort of sludgy chili. Uh, but uh, I enjoy it. it. Has it has like it has a cinnamon. I think I was telling you this yesterday. It has like yeah. a hint of cinnamon preparation. It gives it a nice little uh, sweet kick. If you're just joining us, this is our uh, food review here at Law360. <laughs> True. Some weeks it's movie reviews, other weeks it's food. <laughs> food, still uh, legal. We do have a good show today, though. We do. It's just us. We've got a couple of interesting news stories for you, um, including a weird thing going on down in Florida, this insurance case. Bill, let's, why don't we talk about that? Yeah. Our top story this week is about a judge recusing themselves from a insurance lawsuit, which... Which isn't really grabbing my attention right off the bat there, because recusals happen pretty regularly. That happens all the time. Insurance yeah. suit, uh, you know. The what big else? thing yeah. here is how the judge did it. Okay. Um, he described the insurance company's denial of cancer treatment as immoral and barbaric, mm-hmm. and then said because of those views, he could not like oversee the case fairly. So yeah. it's, wow. it's a thing you don't see a, a whole lot. Okay. Yeah, I'm so used to recusals just being like, oh, I have a relationship with one of the parties right. or um, something like that. It's usually not like, yeah, I just completely disagree. Like, I have strong feelings about yeah. this, uh, and I and I have voiced them right. loudly right. and in public, and it's just not, it would not be appropriate. So just to back up a little bit, yeah. um, this case was filed by a guy named Richard Cole, who is a prominent uh, Miami lawyer. And mm-hmm. to be clear, I mean, he is literally the plaintiff. He yeah. didn't file the case okay. as the lawyer. Um Against United Healthcare for refusing to cover him, and it's a class action, so other mm-hmm. people, um, for what's known as proton beam radiation therapy. Yeah. Um, it's a newer form of cancer treatment that, as it sort of sounds like, they use these high energy beams to treat tumors. Yeah. Um, the lawsuit claims that the um, that United Healthcare has been avoiding paying for this by wrongly categorizing it as mm-hmm. a experimental or investigational treatment yeah. which obviously which don't insurers cover. can be yeah. more loose about not mm-hmm. covering um they the lawsuit claims that this is despite decades of evidence that this is a you know a very effective treatment and it shouldn't be rejected as as this sort of weird experimental thing it should just be something that your insurer covers okay so how does that get us to this recusal part yeah um so the case was assigned recently to a judge named uh robert scola and um, he's sort of the center of our recusal story in a filing this week, Scola revealed that he himself had been diagnosed with prostate cancer in mm-hmm. early 2017. Um, he eventually opted for surgery to treat the cancer, but every doctor that he says he talked to told him that if he were to go for, for radiation, that 
proton beam radiation is the absolute way to go with mm-hmm. with okay. prostate cancer. The procedure was recommended to him. Exactly. By, he said, like many top doctors. Yeah. Um, not just that. He says he had a, um, a close friend who was also diagnosed with cancer in 2015. Um, that person opted for proton radiation therapy because, again, that was suggested by, by their doctors. Um, the kicker here is that that friend also had United Healthcare, and United Healthcare refused to pay for it, resulting mm-hmm. in like $150,000 in out of pocket. Wow. Yeah costs um so those two personal experiences for this judge led to this week's order this week's pretty extraordinary uh uh written order recusing himself from the case the power quote it is undisputed among legitimate medical experts that proton radiation therapy is not experimental and causes much less collateral damage than traditional radiation to deny a patient this treatment if it is available is immoral and barbaric the court's opinions in this matter prevent it from deciding this case fairly and impartially. That's that's wild. I mean, we talk about stuff of this nature a lot, and it's just like judges, the, they are, we envision them as somewhat robotic. They're yep. impartial, and they're yeah. literally just supposed to sit there and hear. It's like the guy, like, within, you know, with, through his personal experience, like, within his convictions, he knows he can't be fair about it just on a pure ideological level. Like, right. He, right. Like he knows he can't do it. It's very interesting. Yeah, and it's um, it's an interesting ethical situation, Um or maybe not ethics, but it's it's a it's a it's a fact pattern you don't see a whole lot. Yeah, the, yeah. The judges recuse themselves all the time, but they typically do so with these sort of vague orders, or right. or it's like I own stock in the company, or I again, you like you said, Amber, um, you know, I know one of the lawyers, Personal or I know one of the plaintiff, or whatever. Um, this issuing a big written ruling that says the substance of this lawsuit is is accurate, yeah. and or is is. Uh, uh, meritorious yeah yeah um the whole point of recusing yourself is to avoid the appearance of bias right. to avoid the appearance of of, of prejudicial treatment by yeah. the court system yeah and you know united healthcare doesn't look good here i mean they're a big they're the big scary defendant here and it's e- it would be easy to sort of be like yeah go judge but like sort of problematic for a judge to be like issuing a written ruling about a defendant before the case has even started mm-hmm. this big public ruling um yeah well it's i mean it it is i mean it's appropriate for him to recuse himself i guess in this regard but you're saying like yeah the idea that you um would do so in a way that like, it's like it, the most strident way possible yeah. and clearly siding with one party you can, like you're poisoning the well of whatever might if, come from the if those are your opinions you should recuse yourself yeah. from the case but you should i it's, it seems extraordinary yeah. to issue that kind of ruling um yeah. there's also more weird stuff here which i just want to note before we move on um this wasn't the first recusal in the case, and it ha- already hasn't been the last one. Really? <laughs> um, so to start, Scola uh, only got the case because another judge in the in the Southern District of Florida, um, uh, Federico Moreno, um, recused himself last week, citing a, a very close personal relationship with uh, the plaintiff in the case, with this guy Cole, who yeah. again we should mention is a prominent lawyer in right. Miami. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, after Scola uh, recused himself. The case got sent to another judge uh, who, on Tuesday, also recused herself. Wow. She, she perhaps, uh, you know, did what we were just saying that that uh, Scola could have done, which is just issue a ruling that says, I'm recusing myself. It's going to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that perhaps she had the same conflict that the original judge had. If you if it's a prominent lawyer in Miami. Of just um, having a relationship. Yeah, with you yeah, know yeah, this guy. He's in your courtroom all the time. Or you know him personally outside of perhaps. court. Um, so... 
Yeah, as of today, uh, I looked at the docket this morning before we recorded. It is now in the hands of Judge uh, Darren Gales. Okay. And if anyone's keeping score at home, that is judge number four for the case. We will be keeping keeping track for you. Yeah. This is kind of like in baseball when like like your relievers can't get it out and the manager keeps going to the to the mound. It's like, okay, I need the lefty yeah, now. Yeah, we need one more. Bring me Gales. <laughs> Gales sounds like a good reliever yeah. name, honestly. Uh, all right, so let's, let's move on. Um, we're going to, I believe, Amber's story next? Yeah. Yeah, guys, we talk a lot on Pro Se about gender discrimination in the legal profession. Yes. And... I kind of hate to do it, but we're going to go back to that Mm -hmm. bucket of stories today. Um, This week, an attorney who recently worked at XL Service Holding, she was the general counsel, filed a big lawsuit alleging gender bias for, among other things, being asked to serve male subordinates cake and then being fired when she complained. Hmm. Uh, I think the phrase that the the kids use today is oof. (laughs) Yeah. And that's That was my reaction also. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so let me uh, tell you more yeah, about let's, her. Yeah, let's get into what, what actually happened here. This attorney's named Nancy Saltzman. She worked for Excel, which is this data analytics. It's like an outsourcing company. Mm-hmm. As general counsel and their chief compliance officer, she'd been there for about four years, from 2014 to mid-2018. She says that the whole time she worked at the company, the Excel CEO, Rohit Kapoor, and other men on this big executive committee treated her as inferior. They micromanaged her work um, in a way they didn't do with other with men. Yeah. And they blocked her from various advancement opportunities. So some of that sounds pretty typical of what we talk about yeah. in these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but the breaking point is what's so weird here. Um, the CEO allegedly asked her to serve junior male employees cake at a heavily male company party. And he, according to this complaint, did it because she was one of four ladies in attendance. <laughs> I know, I don't this like was, it at all. This was like told to her allegedly. Like she like yeah. they literally said Go ahead and you serve are you are one of cake. the ladies. Yeah. So you can serve Yeah, see like and then you can get past a plate of cake. Of and course it's like, she you felt, know, maybe just give this out. But it was like, no, this was like Yeah, because said you're to her, one allegedly. of four ladies here, yeah. so yeah, yeah, you yeah. do it. Um so of course uh she felt insulted by this and she complained. The executive committee treated her complaints about having to do this as a resignation and went ahead and told the CEO, oh. um, yeah, make sure she gets out of here. Like, So <laughs> she says she was fired. They Yikes. say she quit. Yeah. Classic uh, sort of dynamic there. Yeah. All of it's really bad. And for me, part of why I wanted to bring it up, I mean, we've talked a lot about this sort of bro culture at, at various firms and companies. Yeah. And that's alleged here as well. Yeah. Um, she says the company's top executive tier is predominantly male, and she was the first and only female member of its executive committee. Mm-hmm. So she says she just was never treated equally because of that. Right. And it just sort of shows how insidious some of these things are. Well, just the idea of, like you said, of culture versus any right. specific, Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times we're talking about things that are more specific than just this pervading culture. So mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. interesting to sort of unpack some of what's going on. Well, and we talk about... Um, you know, the efforts that we're talking about more in the big law context than the GC context, but it's the same thing of like um, efforts to improve diversity and they have to have meaning behind them. Like, like this was, she was their first female right. executive committee member and, you know, presumably they probably felt pretty good about that. It was like, oh, there's yeah. finally women on here. But then like, but if you don't support me, it with, with it was, a, yeah, right. It was allegedly like, you know, whatever the facts turn out yeah. to be, like entirely superficial. Let me let me give you some other highlights from her complaint in addition to the cake incident. Yeah. She says that Kapoor, that CEO, um, rejected allowing her to go on international travel to meet with other employees at their overseas offices. But then later 
in performance reviews criticized her for not building overseas relationships. Mm-hmm. She says that um, during her interview, another man at the company, the COO, asked uh, various colleagues if she was attractive and commented Ugh. on the skirt she had on. Okay. Um, she talked about how after that cake serving incident, Kapoor, that's the CEO, chided her for being very emotional and unable to separate those emotions from her work. So that's a classic stereotype against women, that yeah. they're more emotional. It's, it's interesting because, like Alex just said, we, we talk, we've talked about this in the firm context, but in the context of um, you know, attorneys working in, in a general, in, in-house attorneys working yeah. in a general counsel Corporate capacity. Corporate structure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a different thing, but it, but it, you know, it has the same vibes, the same. Mm-hmm. And also, part of the reason I wanted to bring this, I know it's just at the complaint stage now, so we'll have to see how this plays out. But we've talked a lot on the show about things that are a bit more concrete, unwanted sexual advances or um, clear pay disparity sure. among uh-huh. male and female attorneys. This is just another example of a somewhat more subtle way that women can be undermined in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to continue to see suits like this. And the thing I wanted to leave us with was a quote from David Sanford. He's of Sanford Heisler, and he's Who's, representing this uh, woman in her suit. And to, and he he's filed many s- many of, of the the cases against the law firms that we've seen. That's yeah, right. He's on the front lines, there. right? So his quote about Saltzman was this. She worked hard for 20 years to earn a seat at the table on Excel's executive committee. But when she found herself there, she was relegated to serving cake. Our last story today is uh, about a man who is named Donald Trump. Wouldn't be a story in 2019 without a story about Big Don. Are you familiar with Donald Trump, Amber? I'm not. Who are you talking about? <laughs> well, he's the president, and oh, he that um, one. basically from the moment Trump became president, uh, and even on the campaign trail. Um, his political opponents were very interested in getting into the details of his financial record. He famously you know, broke with you know, decades worth of, pres- of, of precedent of people seeking the White House, um, did not disclose his tax returns. Yeah. Uh, this has been fodder for lots of different political controversies. Um, and we've all seen that play out on a very grand stage. Now, um, this has kind of intensified since Democrats took control of the House of Representatives last November. Um, and they are starting to sort of investigate the president in a more aggressive way. And it spilled into the courtroom uh, this week because Trump sued um, to block the subpoenas um, issued by these congressional committees. Um, these, these subpoenas were issued to Deutsche Bank and Capital One, who he has done various banking with over the years. Um, and he said that these subpoenas are sort of overly broad and they're not appropriate, uh, and he sued to block them from from taking hold. Before we get into the actual claims that Trump is making, uh, it's easy to, I think, sometimes to sort of get lost in some of mm-hmm. some of the various things that are happening with the president. Um, what are these actual subpoenas that are at the yeah. root of this? And then we can get into why he wants to block them. So two main congressional investigations going on. One is being done by the Intelligence Committee, and the other is done by the Financial Services Committee. And they are related, but overlapping a little bit. But the whole point is they are looking to shed light on Trump's financial past because they believe that he has used the banking system, the financial system, for illicit purposes. That's mm-hmm. the quote. So, I mean, they think he's broken some laws or it'll reveal a sort of a, a, a deeper truth about right. things he was doing before he was president, whether or not that has bearing now. Um, and in the course of these investigations by these two committees, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, middle of April, 
the lawmakers sent subpoenas to Deutsche Bank and Capital One, and they were asking for um, a variety of documents, um, not only from Trump, but also his children, uh, other members of the family going back many years. And this includes stuff like corporate documents, descriptions of his assets, and probably most significantly portions of his uh personal and business tax returns. These are this is sort of like been like the golden goose for Democrats yeah. in the House. Um, and uh, the subpoenas are uh, pretty broad. Like, I mean, they, it says, like I said, going back several years, applying to several members of his family. It's a it's a big ask. And they've they've sent, they've now sent these to these banks. And you said right in the beginning of this that Trump famously didn't reveal his tax returns when he was running for president and hasn't as he's been president. So he can't like this. No, um, and but before it didn't. It was just kind of noise making from the minority party right. uh, in the legislature, and it was just like, oh, I don't have to worry about you. I'm brushing you away. I don't have to hand this stuff over. You're just being annoying. Now they have subpoena power, and they're using it. Right. Uh, and he's not happy about that. The suit uh, that he filed uh, in Manhattan on Monday um, says that the subpoenas are overly broad and that they serve no legitimate legislative purpose. Okay. Um, uh, interesting stuff in the in the complaint um, about the role of Congress as an investigative body. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they they point to some precedent that's like, yes, they conduct investigations and they have subpoena power, but they are only allowed to do that in the assistance of the legislative process, the right, writing of laws, yeah, which is their job, not, not the, law enforcement. Exactly, they're not the Justice Department. They right. can't do it just to potentially. Uh, uncover wrongdoing. Right. It has to be about legislating. Um, and, you know, uh, there's that they're obviously cherry picking precedents that are favorable. This is a complaint. So, you know, that we understand that. Um, they also say that the committees sort of got ahead of their skis a little bit. There are federal financial privacy uh, laws that you, you have to meet certain benchmarks to, uh, to compel a bank to hand over one of their customers' financial information. Okay. So that's stuff. But in essence, all of that stuff just boils down to they just it, it serves no legal purpose. It is entirely a political move. Here is the this is from the complaint. The subpoenas were issued to harass President Donald J. Trump to rummage through every aspect of his personal finances, his businesses and the private information of the president and his family and to ferret about for any material that might be used to cause him political damage. No grounds exist to establish any purpose other than a political one. I like I, I just really this this has zero value of substance to the to the story but i really just like the term ferret about i knew that you were going to say that (laughs) because you love words that are also small rodents yeah uh and i've always said that about everyone knows that about me. everyone i've always said that uh sorry yes (laughs) you to get us back on track (laughs) yes you you read the quote that um displays how this is really in some ways a political fight yeah but we're the legal show yeah so let's talk about the merits here does does this look like um who looks like they yeah. were in the right here what, what well, do we think i mean it's 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 funny that they lean on like it's it's all political as a defense it's like well yeah it's obviously political this is politics um <laughs> but like is that like is, is it still the question is is it legal for them to right. subpoena yeah. these banks right do they have that power and it's tricky i mean we saw this is not exactly the same situation but we saw last week in the Mueller report robert Mueller with who unquestionably has subpoena power in this regard, like decided not to subpoena the president because he, like, he he didn't want to deal with the legal headache sure. that it would bring down. He didn't want to fight that battle. This is different. It's not Trump himself being subpoenaed, but it's information about Trump. You see mm-hmm. it playing out in a different sphere. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I mean, like we say, it's just a complaint. This is the very first stage of this. Uh, the subpoena orders, I believe, have a deadline of May 6th. So it's time is a little bit of the essence here. Um, Deutsche Bank, interestingly, um, put out a statement. I mean, obviously, it received the subpoenas, and it, yeah. it could have just 
complied with them. Um, it put out a statement that said it is uh, the bank is committed to providing appropriate information to all authorized investigations and yeah. will abide by a court order regarding such investigations. That's sort of standard playbook, I feel like, for Definitely. big companies. They're not going to just do... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they don't... I mean, yeah, they, they call it, you know, by... Uh, whatever they said, authorized, authorized investigation yeah. investigations. Mm-hmm. This maybe raises the question that maybe they don't think, you know, it's not for us to say whether this is an authorized investigation. They'll wait for a court to say that, uh, and we will too. We like to end our show with something offbeat, but guys, we didn't find anything this week. Yeah, real, real peek behind the curtain here. We didn't, didn't really do anything. Couldn't really find anything, so we figured we'd look now. Yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna we figured it'd be fun to to Google funny lawsuit. <laughs> we'll see. Yes. We'll see how this turns out. What right, do you have, Bill? Bill? What are the results? All right, I'm googling it right now. Hmm. It doesn't seem that Great. funny so far. America's funniest home videos producers hit with discrimination lawsuit. Oh. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say That's the lawsuit's funny. funny. No, I mean That's pretty bleak. Sad, yeah, yeah, funny. The the video is very funny. The claim's very serious. So, what else do we have? Bob Saget is appalled somewhere. Uh, well, this doesn't involve. A, I mean, we don't know if this involves a lawsuit, but uh, we've got. There's an Old Town Road controversy explained. Oh, great! So we're hitting on the uh, you know the topical stuff. That's good. Wrangler um, on my booty. That's a, that's a line in the song, Amber. Can you believe that? Uh, that's great. Wrangler, guys. I on my sa- booty. I wouldn't say that that these are funny lawsuits at all. No, not really. I mean, do you see how hard it is? Top. Do you, you see what you see? What we're dealing with here, pro se listeners. Uh, well, we've got the the Covington teens are suing the Washington Post for two hundred and fifty million dollars. I wouldn't say that's Why funny. Why is that funny? Not I funny. Say, uh, I would say that's a that's a threat to the free press, this guys. Feels like a Google algorithm problem if here. The, I I think we need. I, I think we should sue Google. Do for, do crazy lawsuit. Well, okay, <laughs> no, we're, we're good. I found one. Man sues Burger King over free food for life deal. Oh, oh that's how right did we in miss this alley. one? Good. So uh, this is from an ABC affiliate in Arizona. Thank you. Good. Good crediting um, there. Uh, a man in Oregon is claiming Burger King is definitely not letting him quote have it his way. Oh, oh I love, love it. it. I love local news. Curtis Broomer says he was cheated out of free Burger King meals for life, and he's not happy about it. <laughs> So unhappy, in fact, that the 50-year-old filed a lawsuit this week asking for $9,026.16. Wait, that's the value he's placing on Burgers that, for Life? It's the exact amount that he and his lawyer says it will cost him for a Whopper meal a week for the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, well, guys, I look, mean, one Whopper a week. I mean, it's uh, like he's going in there every day. Negligence. Breach of agreement. This is this is a real lawsuit that I think we need to keep an eye on. Definitely funny. Oh man, I love the calculation of what it would cost to have one Whopper per week for the rest of your life. Well, I, mean, I think he also could have factored in like the you know the amount of medical costs that it's going to you know if you're eating, eating, yeah, if you're eating Burger King every week. They're going to cover um, his gastric you know what, bypass. Right. You do see those kind of promotions all the time where you could win something like that. I do often wonder like what's the actual value of those. Sure, Apparently nine thousand twenty-six dollars, whatever, That's whatever right. he said. Well, That's it's right. also so, you know, you got to do some actuarial stuff. I mean, the guy's 50, so yeah, um, figuring yeah, out you get how into some dark questions when you start trying to total up your your Whopper costs for on a going forward basis, you know? It's true. Uh, I, I got to tell you, that felt like a very successful end to the show to come up with that lawsuit. It was funny, yeah. it like and it was one. a lawsuit. Mission accomplished, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. Thanks yeah. for being with me today, guys. Thanks, Bill. Happy to be here. 
and Alex. See you next week. We also want to thank our producers, Kelly Marcano and Stephen Trainer. Our contributing reporters this week, Vin Guerrieri, Nathan Hale, and John Hill. Music for the show comes from Silent Partner and Little Glass Men. We'd love it if you subscribe to the show and leave us a written review. It really does help other people find Pro Se. If you want to know more about anything we've talked about today, check out our website, law360.com slash podcast. Thanks, and join us again next week.